Psalm 110.4. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever, after the order of Melchizedek. And Hebrews 7.4-10. See how great this man was, to whom Abraham the patriarch gave a tenth of the spoils. And those descendants of Levi, who received the priestly office, have a commandment in the law to take tithes from those, from the people, that is, from their brothers, though these are also descended from Abraham. But this man, who does not have his descent from them, received tithes from Abraham and blessed him who had the promises. It is beyond dispute that the inferior is blessed by the superior. In the one case, tithes are received by mortal men, but in the other case, by one of whom it is testified that he lives. One might even say that Levi himself, who receives the tithes, paid tithes through Abraham, for he was still in the loins of his ancestor when Melchizedek met him. This is the word of the Lord. morning, church. I would like to preach a sermon on that uh, short little nugget. It was uh, it's a very short passage, and, I, and it's very dense. I, as, I was re- as I was first reading it, I was a little bit nervous about what I would get out of that, what I would bring out of that, but it's, uh, it's got a lot packed into it. Years ago, I was driving with my father, um, and the song Last Kiss came on the radio. Um, and I started singing along because it was a song that my, one, of my, one of the bands I like, Pearl Jam, uh, had played. And uh, my dad was shocked. And he looks over and says, how do you know this song? And I was shocked. And I said, how do you know this song? <laughs> well, it turns out that it was a song that was popular in the 60s um, that my dad loved. And then it had been remade, uh, been copied by Pearl Jam. And I really liked it. And so it's spanned through different, some, some different generations. Um, since then, I've also learned that it was a song that was originally written in the 50s and then remade in the 60s and then in the 90s. You know, we were learning about this. It, it was always a copy of the original. Um, we're going to learn today about a copy or a foreshadowing, uh, something that, that copied an earlier imprint. Let's pray before we get into today's message. Father in heaven, We thank you, God, for your word. We thank you that your word is understandable and that your Holy Spirit enables us to understand your word. God, I pray, we pray that you would use the words of my mouth and you would anoint the ears of of the hearers, that your message would be understood and that we would understand who Jesus is more clearly and we would love you more clearly, more, more deeply. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So once again, I'm going to actually put this down. It's taking up a lot of space. Once again, we're examining the New Testament book of Hebrews. Uh, It's a book about Jesus. And I told that to my daughter that Hebrews is about Jesus. And and she's like, well, isn't the whole Bible about Jesus? (laughs) Yes, it is. Good job, Awana. Good job, Sunday school. The whole, whole Bible is about Jesus. But Hebrews is uniquely about Jesus in that it shows us how the Old Testament was pointing 
to Jesus. It shows how Jesus fulfills so many of the, the signs and symbols in the Old Testament. And today we're going to look at the Hebrew, at the Hebrew character, sorry, today in Hebrew, we're looking at the character of Melchizedek, uh, specifically how his priesthood is greater than the, the Levites' priesthood, and how Jesus is like Melchizedek, better than the current priesthood. He's better in his effect, better in his authority, and better in his duration. So as I often do when, when I speak from the Bible, is I like to give a, a brief run-through of history to, to see where we are to, in today's passage. So God created the world good, and Adam and Eve disobeyed God and fell into sin, and they were separated from God by their sin. Everybody born after them is born with a sin nature, in that we're all inclined to choose not God. And we continually go away from him and show that we're unable to fix ourselves and we need a rescuer. Well, into that, God comes and chooses one man out of all others, Abraham and his descendants, to be God's chosen people. They would be God's chosen people who would show, show the world what God is like and who would point others to God. These people would show others how to be made right with God, and through them, God was going to rescue the world. So God blessed Abraham to have a son, Isaac. Stay with me here. Isaac has a son, Jacob, and Jacob's name gets changed to Israel. And he has 12 sons who become the 12 tribes of Israel. And as God leads them into the promised land, which he promised Abraham that he would do, he gives each of the, the 12 tribes a different portion of that land as their homeland. But one group, the tribe of Levi, they don't get land. They're separate and designated as priests. And they're going to serve as mediators between the people and God. They'll live in the temple and they'll be provided for by their, by their countrymen. They run the temple system and offer the sacrifices. And the tithes that the, that the other people, the tithes that all of the other families give, um, they give to God, is going to be the inheritance and provision for the Levites. So it was the grace of God to set up a system uh, with Sorry, it was the grace of God to set up a system in which these people who continue to walk away from God could be made right with him. Um, but the system of priests wasn't perfect, primarily because it was run by people who kept on sinning. They kept defiling themselves as representatives. It was run by good priests who kept getting old and retiring, who kept dying. So they had to keep being replaced, being retrained, and refiguring out how to do things right. So the good system that God set up wasn't perfect. They needed something better, and they knew it. And now we're caught up. We're going to look at how, we're going to look at how the priesthood in the temple was a foretaste, was only a foretaste of a better thing to come, and how Jesus does it much better. So last week, uh, Pastor John helped to introduce us to the mysterious character of Melchizedek, king of Salem. There's so little said about Melchizedek in the Bible, uh, but he's so monumental. He's somebody that we have actually only one scene and one story of in the whole Bible. Uh, it's a pretty big deal where he and Abraham defeat enemies, and then Abraham pays tithes to this man, Melchizedek. It's the only time we see him. And then he is spoken of by God in Psalm 110, as we read today, 
where God tells the coming Savior Messiah, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And then hundreds of years later, we see he shows up in the book of Hebrews. And we read today, looking at this at the passage, see how great this man was to whom Abraham the patriarch gave a tenth of the spoils. Abraham tithed to Melchizedek. An important, an important uh, point as you're reading the Bible is to realize that all of Scripture, all of the Bible, is for us. But none of it was written to us. It was written to specific people at a specific time. And so as we read the Bible, it's so important to try to understand how the, the original readers would have understood it. Once we understand what they would have thought, then we can ask, what does this mean to us today? So there's a few concepts that we're going we're gonna to cover. First is tithing. So tithing, or giving 10% of your gains to God, kind of like we did with the offering plate, um, was a concept that these hearers would have been very familiar with. It was the law, and it was a very well-established social custom. Every Israelite was to take the, the first fruits of their profits, so the best 10% of their grains, uh, of, their, of, their, uh, of their fruits, of their animals, of all their profits, that was dedicated to God. In, in a similar way to taxes, but it had a different connotation. And so they would gather these, the, the first fruits of all of their profits, they'd bring it to the temple to give to God, and the priest would collect it and do what's called a wave offering, kind of like what, what Jason did here. And they do a wave offering, and it's given to God. So they give their, they give their tithes to God, and God, in turn, would give these tithes to the Levites. And that's how they were provided for, because they didn't have farms, they didn't have things that would produce, but their brothers, who would give to God, and then God would give to them. The Levites, didn't, they didn't tithe, they just received from God. So they all give their tithes to God, and Abraham originates that concept by tithing to Melchizedek. We read, see, we read, see how great this man was to whom Abraham the patriarch gave a tenth of the spoils. The patriarch. That's a concept that we might miss the, the significance of in our modern culture. Um, the concept of a patriarchal system can have negative connotations in our modern, our modern system. We kind of have visions of like abusive authority, but it certainly doesn't need to, to be like that. Um, the, the patriarchal, sorry, let me, yeah, it doesn't have to be a bad thing. A patriarchal society is simply one where the father or the patriarch is the head of the clan. Um, it's the one to whom everyone looks to, for authority. It's also a, a type of culture that, that traces their lineage back to the males. So everybody knows who the, who the father is and the grandfather and the great-grandfather. In a patriarchal society, that's how they trace their lineage. So the Israelites... Being the chosen people of God, felt, they felt like they were better than everyone else. And the reason they felt better than others is because of the covenant, the promises that God made to, to Abraham, their patriarch, and by extension, with them. Because when God chose Abraham, he promised to bless him, to give him a homeland, and to make him prosper. He was going to bless those who blessed him and curse those who cursed him. So the, these Israelites... They, they, felt, they felt invincible because of God's promises given to their patriarch, Abraham. 
And they were given these blessings so they would be a blessing to the world, as we are as well. We're given, we're given our blessings to be a blessing to the world. But so often they hoarded those blessings and became proud and arrogant. But in this story, they, they see their patriarch paying honor and tithes to someone. And it's someone who's not even in their special family. So we're seeing someone in Melchizedek who is, who is very honored, but is outside of their, their social customs. The author then speaks of Melchizedek being a priest. Now let's consider what a priest is. A lot of us are familiar with the, the office of prophet. So the prophets wrote most of the Old Testament. They would go and speak to the king for God. They would speak to the people. They would speak God's message. And so a prophet is someone who goes, goes to the people on behalf of God. A priest, by contrast, goes to God on behalf of the people. A prophet goes to God, go, sorry, a prophet speaks to the people on behalf of God, and a priest speaks to God on behalf of the people. And we see that in the temple system, where the, the, the priest is the one who would do the, do the wave offering. They would go and they would slaughter the animals and make the sacrifice. They would go behind the curtain and pray for, for their people. But why do we need a priest? Why would people need a priest? That's a concept that we might miss today. Um, since because of what Jesus has done, we can go to God almost any time in prayer. We often don't consider what the holiness of God means and how great it is that we can just go into God's presence anytime we want. The book of Revelation, uh, in chapter 4, we see that the angels in heaven continually say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. In Leviticus 20, God tells the Levites that you are to be holy to me because I, the Lord, am holy, and I have set you apart from the nations to be my own. In 1 Timothy 6, we read, God alone is immortal, and he lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen nor can see. The book of Romans in the New Testament tells us that God alone is immortal, or sorry, so, sorry, the book of Romans tells us that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and that the wages of sin is death. So God is holy, and we are not. Our sin separates us from him, and the wages of sin is death. God is entirely without sin, and is completely unapproachable by sinners. But because of his great love for us, and because of his mercy and his grace, he designated certain people, the Levites, who would, be, who would be separate. They would follow special purity rules for, for their clothing, for, for what they'd eat, for the cleanliness and the activities that they could engage in. Um, and they would go behind the curtain into the holy place, and they would make sacrifices on our behalf. They would pray for the people. That's what a priest does. So the, readers of he the reader of the book of Hebrews would know well what a priest does. When, it, when, when God says that, that the Messiah would be a priest like Melchizedek, they knew exactly what that meant. And the author of, he, of the book of Hebrews goes on to make the case for the greatness of Melchizedek's priesthood, specifically because of the honor given to him by the patriarch. Verse 5, it says, The descendants of Levi are commanded to receive tithes from their brothers, though the brothers are heirs of the covenant. And he's setting up a, di a dichotomy here. He's saying, look, we know that the high and mighty Levites are commanded to collect tithes 
even from the chosen people of God. But this man, who doesn't even belong to us, receives tithes from the greatest man who ever lived in our culture. And then, and then Abraham, sorry, and then because of the patriarchal lineage, Levi, who doesn't pay taxes, who doesn't, doesn't pay tithes, Levi tithed to Melchizedek through, uh, through Abraham. And then in response, we read that Melchizedek blessed Abraham, showing himself to be superior even to Abraham. So in their culture, he's clearly saying that because of these things, that Melchizedek is even better than the Levite priests and Abraham, the patriarch of their, of their chosen family. So Melchizedek is a, is a significant anchor, a significant person in the history of God's people. And as we learned earlier, this scene is the only mention we have of him, though he is so significant. Psalm 110, uh, John mentioned that it is the most quoted Old Testament chapter in all of the New Testament. And in it, God tells the Messiah, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So seemingly out of the blue, hundreds of years after this scene happened, he's not mentioned again, hundreds of years later, God, made, God drops this declaration that the Messiah, who many believe is going to, at the time is going to be a military and political leader and who will rule the world, God says he will be a priest, just like Melchizedek. And we learn what a priest does. What does a priest do? speaks to God on behalf of the people. And so he, he offers the sacrifices. In the New Testament, we see, in, in, we see so many ways how Jesus did this. Jesus prayed for his people. He would often go off by himself to pray. He would pray about his mission that was ahead of him, and he would pray for his people. And Jesus spent much of his life preparing a body for sacrifice. While he was here on earth, he lived a perfect life. He fulfilled the law. Uh, we were, he was circumcised on the eighth day, according to custom. He honored his mother and father. He tithed of his earnings that he earned as a carpenter. Uh, he loved God with his whole heart. He loved his neighbor as himself. He obeyed God in everything. And so he prepared the perfect sacrificial lamb and Jesus was the great high priest who entered into heaven and made the perfect sacrifice of himself on our behalf. He's a priest after the order of Melchizedek. And that, because, he's, because of his great sacrifice, because of how great he is as a priest, that's the reason that your sins are forgiven. That's the reason when you confess your sins, you can be forgiven. It's because they've been paid for. And it's the reason you're accepted by God. Secondly, the high priest from Psalm 110 is righteous. Unlike the, the old system, this, king, this priest is righteous. We learned last week that Melchizedek, Melchizedek, Melchizedek's name comes from the Hebrew words Melech Tzedek, which means king of righteousness. The old system was weakened by the sinfulness of the priests who had to sacrifice for their own sins first. And there are numerous examples of priests doing, doing their work in a sinful way. But when Jesus lived his life, we see in the Gospels and we read in Hebrews 4 um, that he was tempted in all ways like the rest of us, but he's without sin. 
So we have an advocate who goes to the Father on our behalf, who can truly sympathize with us in our temptation, but who also knows how to overcome. He approaches the throne of God as a holy priest, and he prays for us continually. That's the reason that you can pray and God hears you. Because we have an advocate who intercedes for our, on our behalf, who is righteous, who understands our weaknesses. He prays for us. And the reality of God's holiness and his repulsion from sin is still in effect today. But because of the sacrifice that our great high priest Jesus made, and the way that he righteously advocates for us uh, to the Father, we are forgiven and accepted, and we're welcomed behind the curtain into the presence of God. And finally, Jesus is better than the old priestly system because he is a priest forever. Psalm 110, God declares that the Messiah is a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Now, no priests are forever. That's one of the flaws of the whole system is that priests are humans and they die. But Jesus, having died and come back to life, never to die again, can hold his priesthood forever. Now, most people don't think that Melchizedek actually had no beginning and no end, but there's no record in all of scripture or in all of literature of his, of his birth or his, uh, his, up, his upbringing. Uh, and there's no, no record at all of his retirement or his death. So in some way, he has no beginning and no end. And in a similar way, Jesus, being the eternal son of God, has no beginning. And as the risen savior, who conquered sin and death, has no end. But he serves as a priest forever. And he's praying for you. He's praying for me. And he prays for us continually. That's the reason we can pray anytime we want. That's the reason your sins are forgiven. That's the reason we can have hope today. Let's, let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you, Lord, that, that though we don't measure up to your holy standard, you have made a way by coming down to us in the person of Jesus. Thank you that you, in the person of Jesus, intercedes for us. You pray for us continually. And we thank you, Lord, that, that we can have hope. Uh, we can have hope today, and we can have hope for the future because of what Jesus has done. I pray, Lord, that we would, that we would understand this, and we would believe it, and it would change how we live. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.